take a little bit of a detour today. Hopefully for you, a fun detour. As I discuss the only player who should ever be referred to as the greatest player in franchise history. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates, the same place that you found this. And it's actually the hockey that kind of got me thinking about this because over the weekend, the Penguins retired the number 68 of Yarmir Yager, the NHL's number two all-time scorer. And they had in his company, Mario Lemieux, the greatest hockey player who ever lived, plus Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, who will be in the Hall of Fame someday. So it was quite the collection. And just those four guys posing for one picture together made for a living, breathing Mount Rushmore right in front of you. With no questions asked, no debate, no nothing. The Steelers are a much more complicated team in that regard. Not only because, oh my goodness, I mean, you could do it with just the players from the 1970s, but then you leave out Troy Polamalu, you leave out Ben Roethlisberger, you leave out Rod Woodson. You see what I mean? Even picking four from the 70s is Really, really, really hard, except for one player. And don't ever lose sight of who that one player is, because not only is Mean Joe Green the greatest player in the Steelers' history, but he also makes my overall Mount Rushmore for Pittsburgh sports. And this is going to make some of you mad, but he's the only Steeler who does. Hannes Wagner one of the greatest baseball players of the first half-century existence of the sport, is a must on there. Roberto Clemente, for countless reasons, is a must on there. And so is Mario. And if I had to go five, I still would go with Sidney Crosby. Because in all of these cases, we're talking about players who were at one point or other considered to be the very, very, very best in their chosen professions. And one of the things that has worked against the Steelers for the longest time is that when they've had great players, with very few exceptions, they've also had great teams. Rare are the examples like Woodson or let's say someone like Louis Lips, who were great players on eh, teams which I guess you could kind of say now about T.J. Watt as well. More often, those teams have been so loaded that you didn't know where the greatness started. You didn't know to what extent someone like, let's just say for fun, Donnie Shell just recently got into the Hall of Fame and deservedly so. How much did he benefit from being part of a defense that had, oh my God, all those players? We can't know that, but we do know that to an extent, it dilutes the feel of individual dominance, even if that's unfair. And yet, and yet, there's Mean Joe towering above everyone else. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1987. He was a 10-time Pro Bowl selection. Ten times, including eight straight years. 
five-time first-team All-Pro, 11-time first-team All-AFC, two-time defensive player of the year in 72 and 74, NFL defensive rookie of the year in 1969 when the Steelers were still completely miserable. NFL's 75th anniversary all-time team, NFL's 1970s all-decade team, Steelers all-time team. I could do this forever, but instead, I'm going to read to you a quote from Chuck Knoll. 1982, on the day that Mean Joe retired, verbatim here, he set the standard for us. Physically, he had quickness, speed, agility, strength, and the ability to find the ball. But he also set the standard for attitude. There will never be another Joe Green. End quote. Right. There won't be. There can't be. Because when Green was drafted out of North Texas and came to Pittsburgh, the Steelers were, this is going to seem incredible to people now, but they were Second fiddle to not just the Pirates, but even to Pitt, if you can imagine that. They were losers for decades. Awful losers. Never even came close to achieving anything. It was Knowles' foresight to go with defense. It was Green's character and physical raw talent and his fire and his drive that allowed him to be that rarest of rare athletes in professional team sports who can convert a culture. He's so dominant that he wasn't going to get dragged down by what had been going on here forever and ever. Instead, He showed the way, and then he paved the way, and then everybody followed. And that continued right through all four of those Super Bowl championships. Other guys got the glory. Other guys got the MVP. A whole bunch of them ended up joining Mean Joe in Canton. But make no mistake where the Steelers, and by the way, did you notice Noel using that word standard? where the Steelers really got their start. It was with one extraordinary player. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's show is sponsored by the Poker Room at Live Casino Pittsburgh. Join them this month for the Daily Hand Hustle promotion, where the first 20 hands will win up to $200. Don't miss the Westmoreland 300 Multi-Flight Poker Tournament. That's March 7th through the 10th with a $25,000 guaranteed prize pool. Plus, join Live for an $8,000 cash drawing on March 24th at noon. Follow them on X at Live Poker WML. Again, that's at Live Poker WML. Live Casino Pittsburgh, located on Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Time for today's J1Q, but first I'm going to point out that I never told you who my actual Steelers Mount Rushmore is, and now that I didn't, and I realize that I can get away with a blatant tease, 
go ahead and read the column. It's on DK Pittsburgh Sports right at the top of the app and the website. Buzz asks, DK, how does the Arthur Smith playbook get set up? Does he watch films of the Steelers players and make it fit them? Or does he just make the playbook and the players have to adjust to it? Thanks and love the shows. I appreciate that, Buzz. I'll say that Smith has yet to do an interview with an independent media outlet. But I'll also say that there isn't an offensive coordinator anywhere who would answer your question truthfully if their choice was the latter scenario that you described. Every coordinator, for that matter, every coach, and this applies to every sport, will tell you that they need to craft a system that suits the talent at hand rather than the other way around. It's square pegs and round holes. So I'd like to think that Smith, in his time in Atlanta as head coach, was able to go through some of that, both for better and worse. He was acquiring players that were going to fit a run-heavy offense. He also didn't have a quarterback. And I'd like to think that if he ever believed he had a quarterback that he could trust, could throw the ball downfield, who could read defenses, who could, you know, do everything that you want a quarterback to do at a high level in the National Football League, that he would say, hey, you know, to heck with my system, to heck with rushing for 150 to 200 yards every game. I'm just going to let this guy fling it. You know what I'm saying? Why overthink things? Smith himself has said, and this was in his one set of public statements to date, and that was in a video interview with the Steelers' official website, that he sees his offensive style as being one that's heavy, that's physical, that's punishing, that wears you down, but also that uses all of that to set up the big play. So if that sounds like he's the antithesis, say, of a a West Coast offense, where he's just going to dink and dunk all over the place, he's going to, you know, Peyton Manning you to death. Yeah, probably. And you know what? That's that's okay because the Steelers really don't have those players anyway. I guess maybe you could put Deontay Johnson into that category when he's on. And there were some promising signs from George Pickens in that regard. And I'm referring, of course, just to the final four games in which Mason Rudolph was quarterback. And you got to see these wide receivers, A, look a little more committed than Norm when it came to running their routes, but B, doing these things effectively and moving the football for six, seven yards. I don't see that being something that Smith hangs his hat on. I see Smith coming in and just really reinforcing the run component and saying, this is what we have to do first and foremost. This is what we have to do more than anything. And if from there, whoever the quarterback happens to be, is capable of getting the ball from not point A to point B, but let's say point A to point D downfield, Awesome. We're going to do that, too, and we're going to enjoy the living hell out of it. No apologies. But that said, it's going to be so much better to be able to talk to him and to ask him a bunch of questions like the one you're asking here. 
and get more answers out of him. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. 